Welcome to the fifth episode of Belgium Mole Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me once more is my fellow Brit, who I hope does not name his wife Pose, Anthony Williams. Hello. Did you see the the note on what that means? Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing the pronunciation is something close to puss. <laughs> I'm really hoping you don't call Tara that. No, definitely not. Of all the things I do call her, that is not one of them. <laughs> and I'm really disappointed Michelle isn't joining us for this podcast because you and I both know she loves a family visit. I know, I know. She would have loved it this week. It's a real shame because I had so much material to work on with with just making Michelle jokes about how she hates her family and how this would have been her worst nightmare if she was on Belgian Mole, but sadly we miss it. Ah, uh, never mind. But I did like the fact that they very helpfully gave people glasses so you could tell them apart. Did I not say that Peter and his brother are identical? Yeah, but you didn't say Yoko and her sister were as well. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about Yoko and her sister because I was too mesmerised by how similar Peter and Jasper looked. Yeah, they do. It was, it was, what a great episode. Really, really enjoyed it this week. I said this on Twitter, but oh my god, how are they doing such a good season again? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess there's something about you only do one a year so you can pull out all the stops, but even so, it, it's just so well constructed. Everything just works brilliantly. Honestly, this is another flawless season so far, and this is the third time on the trot they've done it. I don't know how they can do it. And also, the argument that only one season a year makes it good television, I'm going to give you a counter-argument to that. Amazing Race Canada. <laughs> Should have seen that coming, shouldn't I? The spoilers were recording this on Tuesday. They started yesterday. It looks horrendous. We're not covering it. <laughs> Why? You don't want to be the reality TV hero, Michael? No, I'm not a hero. I'm a liar. <laughs> I'm not a saviour. I'm a vampire. It's going to be bad. Oh, it's going to be a train wreck. I almost want... Something in the back of my mind says I need to cover it just to hate watch it, but I don't even want to watch it. <laughs> You're going to not watch it? I'm very strongly considering not watching it. Wow. This is this is, this is a hot take, everybody. You are, you are boycotting. Wow. I'm just really bored of it. But anyway, we, ha- we are here to talk about an amazing show and that everyone should be watching. Everyone, including the guy who hosts the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jill. <laughs> hey, Jill. Our best offender. <laughs> So previously, the final seven flew to Mexico City, where the pot stagnated as the first challenge and Yoko both crashed. Baja and Peter became luchadors, but a mistake from Pascal and a lack of riddle skills from Lloyd, Katrina and Yoko cost them a 6,000 euros in total. In a race to the top of the tower for an exemption, Yoko climbed to victory, but her selfishness prevented another two grand from entering the pot. At the execution, it was Katrine who limped home, leaving our final six. And... I have to say, the opening clip was, I don't want to say leaked, revealed on the Veer website. I wanted to say Veer website then. Veer website. (laughs) On the Veer website. And such a stylistically amazing clip. It's brilliant, wasn't it? It's so good. And some of the descriptions were wonderful. Uh, For the rest of the season, he is Peter the Swearing Priest. I'm intrigued that they chose to do it in Spanish. Yeah, but but it kind of added to the atmosphere. It was brilliant. I know, but that sort of thing is just rife with a clue. I didn't spot one, but they never make that sort of a decision without it being for a particular reason. Yeah, they could well have been. No, I was just mesmerised by how cool it was, so I wasn't really I wasn't switched on at that stage. And I'm kind of assuming that they 
didn't do that clip in real time. I'm assuming they did it a few days later and just crashed the cinema again, but yeah, it's just so cool. <laughs> yeah, everything was so cool. It was great. Uh, brilliant, brilliant opening to a, to a great episode. And following up on something I mentioned last week, up to the end of the fourth episode, the theoretical maximum pot is €51,500. I know I mentioned it to you, but that is a ridiculous amount of money that they lost. It was, yeah. Particularly in that episode, they lost a shed load of money. But, you know, this week, slightly different story. So, the episode opens with everyone missing their friends and family, and they're expecting a visit soon. And Baha misses his girlfriend, and Steve misses his wife both day and night. Slightly creepy comment, Steve. <laughs> and as a special treat, everyone gets to go to a theme park. Yay! My favourite. Yeah, Lloyd's particularly happy. <laughs> and in the first assignment, Jill splits everyone into three duos, each of whom must take control of one of the rides, and they must find a number on their ride, which will lead them to one of the lockers containing a thousand euros each. And the three choices are Supersonicos, Los Truncos, and Chimera. And they get nothing but the names, which leads to a little bit of hilarity when Pascal thinks, Oh, Supersonicos, that sounds like the biggest round in the park. Yeah, and you know what? I was thinking exactly the same. I was like, totally going for Supersonicos, definitely. But if you've ever been to a theme park, you know that the kids' rides tend to have the wildest names, for want of a better term. Never mind. But it was great. I, I like the fact that it was, you get to go on the kids' rides. With kids! <laughs> With the orphans from the Mexican orphanage you're not funding at the end of this episode. <laughs> now that would have been a way to make that final challenge even crueler. Yeah, just have them sat there looking sad. Instead of having the family members, just have ten kids on top of the balcony just watching everyone not give them a thousand euros each. <laughs> That's just cruel, Michael. So, Baha and Pascal choose Supersonicos, which is a children's ride, and they must visit the Hall of Mirrors, the Coconut Shy, and the Carousel to complete three mini-challenges, the solutions of which add up to their number. Lloyd and Yoka choose Los Truncos, which is the log flume of the theme park, and they must spot equations in the dark tunnel portion of the ride, and then calculate the total to get their number. And Peter and Steve draw the short straw and pick Chimera, the big roller coaster of the park, and they must solve a pictogram, revealing the word Axistand, and they must spell out the word on the right photo, where Baha and Pascal can use the nearby Dutch dictionary to find the word, the page number of which is the locker. Boy, did they look out. That That is such a hard challenge. I mean, not only do they get the roller coaster, they also get the, the only way to do it is to go on the roller coaster a lot. <laughs> it's just, there's no way around it. But there's a way easier way to do that. Come on! <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm sure they could have done something phonetically and maybe just have three photos. I have some theories on this, and I know Michelle wanted me to mention that I have a lot of theories on this challenge. But first, I actually have to mention that Baha and Pascal also have to visit the other two pairs to get their numbers, because they're the only people who can actually answer. Mm. Accompanied by a group of children, Baha and Pascal have to count the mole thumbprints in the hollow mirrors, knock over a row of clowns at the coconut shy, and get the children to count the hidden numbers in the carousel compartments. Now, the hidden clue that I've spotted, I'm pretty sure is a hidden clue, and it points directly to one person. We were discussing this before you even watched the episode. Yeah, go on. The hidden clue is the word actor stand. Uh Uh-huh. Because in your subs, you were told that meant delay. Yeah, I looked it up just to be on the safe side. What did Google actually say? Told me it was backlog. Backlog, indeed. 
As in person at the back of the log? Exactly my theory. So that's what I think. I think that clue is directly pointing to Lloyd. And spoilers for my suspect list this week. Given that my only suspect got executed, much to Ant's amusement, (laughs) I've put 100 points on Lloyd. Wow. I'm going coconuts deep now. (laughs) Oh, now now this could end up spectacularly bad, couldn't it? Because we could both be tunnel vision for the rest of the season on Lloyd and be completely wrong. As long as this isn't Baha, I score points. Because I'm not putting any points on Baha, I don't suspect him. Yeah, I think he's highly unlikely. But hmm, but you never know. I've now put my most points on Lloyd because he gets the entire 100. Okay. Okay, well, it's interesting because, yeah, I, I was, I kind of hadn't made that connection till literally when I just said it. Um, but the thing I spotted also related to Lloyd as well, so we'll get to that later, I'm sure. And I think it's fair to say that Steve is not the biggest fan in the world of roller coasters. No, no, and and I think this backs up the fact that all of his physical failings were not mauling. <laughs> so. I don't know where you got the idea that he was some kind of super fit marathon runner, but the evidence to the contrary seems quite strong now. If nothing else, old people riding roller coasters will never cease being funny. I mean, that that is going for it. I mean, it, you know, I said at the beginning, I, I love theme parks. And when I was a student, I used to work in theme parks. So I know that going on roller coasters too many times is really not a lot of fun because when you work on a theme park, you get the opportunity to go on the rides a lot. So you do. And doesn't matter how great the roller coaster is, after about the fourth time, it's not much fun. Yeah, I can't imagine riding that sort of roller coaster over and over and over and over and over again. It's particularly fun. No, no, you need, you'd need to have a break every two or three, I think. Otherwise, it does, it really gets nauseous very very quickly and i'm gonna to have to ask you the question which theme parks uh i worked at a theme park in derbyshire called the american adventure which is no longer there where coincidentally i worked on the log flume actually i was i was a photographer on the log flume um and that dates it slightly given that there weren't automatic photos well the the, the camera was automatic but it was before the days of digital, so I used to have to hand out the ticket so that people got the right got the right photo. And then I went to study in Blackpool and worked on the Pleasure Beach and in the Tower, which I suppose you could call the theme park. Which sort of makes our conversation about me hating the big different Blackpool Pleasure Beach even more fun from last week. Yeah, I held back on all the all the stories I could have told you because you'd probably never go on any ride ever again. Yeah, I never want to go on the big differ again ever <laughs> in the history of the world ever. That's probably not the riskiest one there. Go on, which one? <laughs> uh, well, uh, there's a ride there called the Black Hole. And, I'm aware of its work. Yeah, a good good friend of mine used to work... Uh, a friend of mine's uh, father-in-law used to work on that and very nearly lost his leg while he was doing some maintenance on it when somebody accidentally sent the car while he was working on the track. Ah, the steeplechase also wasn't particularly fun for me. I'm guessing the stories from that... Probably. I mean, that's another one that goes back a long, long way. That's yeah. another, another classic ride. It's, it's probably almost as old as the Big Dipper, I would have thought. That was one where I did not feel safe as well. Yeah, I mean, that that is that is part of the design um, in any roller coaster is to give you that feeling of, oh, is this safe, is it not safe? That feeling of jeopardy is quite important. It's why they design things like if you sit in the front car of a roller coaster, the wheels are set further back than you would expect them to be so it feels like you're going over the edge before you actually get to the edge and stuff like that 
Um, but certainly wooden roller coasters are very much designed to feel a bit dodgy. Even even very new ones. There's a, a great roller coaster in Sweden, a park called Kolmarden, called Wildfire, which is a, a wooden roller coaster that was built about two or three years ago. Feels really, really scary. But you know, you know, health and safety these days is it's not dangerous, but it feels it. I'm not going to lie. I was slightly disappointed that Gronoland wasn't open when I was in uh, Stockholm. Yeah, yeah, we we didn't get to go there either. I, I think it was open when we were there, but uh, we didn't get a chance. And um, Baha and Pascal come up with the number of 130, but they're not sure about their answer from the Hall of Mirrors. And Steve and Peter manage to do five of ten rides before Steve completely and utterly bails. Bless him. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, if I was in Steve's position and I walked up to that roller coaster, I'd be like, this is not worth it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Sod it. (laughs) Yeah, given given how it ended up, kind of probably made a good decision. It was a complete and utter waste of time for Steve and Peter, and that's what makes it even funnier. And what's great is that um, when Barr and Pascal get there, they just take one look and they're like, nah, skip it. (laughs) So my theory on how you do this one better... Mm-hmm. Why were they cooperating on making the letters? Well, yeah, well, they could have done a pair, couldn't they? Yeah, have they never heard of the song YMCA? Two of which are the first two letters. But I would have just tried to, to break it. I mean, my knowledge of the language isn't strong enough, but I would have thought act would could have been done in some symbolic way, and we know that stand can be. So I'd have figured out those two bits and then thought of what could we put in the middle. It's a strange decision that you immediately go, oh, well, let's just take 11 photos then. Surely they're they're thinking, that's quite difficult to do, isn't it? There's got to be a quicker way of doing that. That seems to me to be a mole action. Yeah. But is Peter the mole? That's the question behind it. Again, if he is, it's the greatest casting of all time, isn't it? But um, I don't know. I don't know. The thing with this show is bad decisions always get played out, don't they? So that it could look like it's mole activity so it could just be under pressure you make a bad decision you run with it because you haven't thought of anything better and it's only when you get halfway through that you realize it's stupid but you can't really go back so i don't know it just seemed odd that given the original concept was a pictogram or a dingbat or whatever you want to call it it seemed odd that they immediately leapt to let's spell out the answer and leiden yoker's number ends up being 107 because their puzzles are square root of 49 plus 81 over 3, minus 2 to the power of 6, plus 54, plus 2.5 times 16, minus 8 squared, plus 107. Which is pretty impressive maths when you're sat on a log flume, isn't it? It is, but we don't know how many times they went round. Because Gilles did say in voiceover that they were stuck on there for the hour. Yeah. I don't think they had the option to get off like Peter and uh, Steve did. No, I don't don't think they did. So Yeah, so they probably had the best part of an hour on there, but... So it's probably, what, a five-minute ride? Yeah, I love log flumes. I love water rides generally. Apart from Valhalla at Blackpool, which is far too cold to do. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's so cold. It's the wettest ride in uh, Western Europe, and they pick Blackpool for it. Yeah. (laughs) I love a water ride. Not sure I would enjoy a water ride after doing a log flume for an hour. No. uh, I mean, it was, you know, it's Mexico. It's not going to be cold or anything, but, yeah. So they've probably done ten... Maybe, yeah, 10 laps. I I still think it's quite impressive. Yeah, it's impressive, but also, how do you sabotage? Uh, You throw in a wrong answer, don't you? Yeah, because neither of them really 
tried to sabotage. No, and my thoughts on this were that, you know, Lloyd knows that he's only one of three. So at best, he can only take a thousand out. Yeah. So why not run with it and, and let Yoko do the maths? And if, if she gets it right, go with it. If she's not sure, go with that and see see where it goes. But there is there is one stage when he does correct her. Yeah, I was wondering whether Yoko was testing him then. Yeah, it's possible. That is possible. Because um, if you're yeah. in a confined space with your mole, then it's not a bad tactic to, to test them and see whether they correct you or not. That's true. And actually, if you are the mole and you're with one other person, that is not the time to start moling. No. I wonder whether the mole was told to rain it back on the sabotage this episode as well. It didn't seem as sabotaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not only because this task is much harder unless you're in the supersonicos position. And even then, can you get away with it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. You can't really sabotage the mascot game unless everyone's really on the wrong track, in which case you just agree with them. Mm-hmm. The cinema, I guess you can sabotage, but there's a a theory I've got on how you you sabotage that game. Okay. And then the final game, well, there's a lot of ways to sabotage that game, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's such, it, there's so many complexities to that that you, you would completely go undetected. I think almost anything you do would go undetected in that game. So Baja and Pascal basically decide to just skip Chimera because they can't be asked, rendering Steve's hellish hour completely and utterly pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Steve, he gets such a low-key exit, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets an unfortunate exit, given that in the first game, he basically pukes himself for an hour. In the second game, he reveals far too much about what he calls his wife. <laughs> and then in, in the third game, he pretty much makes himself just look noble. Yes, yeah, not um, not exactly the highs and lows of the ball for him there. It's a bit of a mediocre one. So the Love Flume Locket does indeed have a thousand euros in it. The Chimera one was a wild guess and they get it completely wrong. And the Supersonicos one also has a thousand euros, giving them two thousand out of a possible three. What do you think about the let's go back and do the mirrors again? Well, it was the right choice. It was. And they definitely worked out the right tactic on it. Yeah, and that that was what I was getting at is why didn't they think of that the first time? You know, you've got a bunch of kids to mark them with. Just mark them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the entire point of having so many kits. Yeah, it seemed really, really obvious to say, right, stay there. But, oh well. I think they were just sort of laser-focused and had yeah. tunnel busy. <laughs> yeah. And it is at this point that Jill does reveal that the loved ones are in Mexico, and all the mascots that they've been seeing around the park are actually their loved ones. How cool is that? That was just great, and I never, never twigged at all. I just spent the whole episode going, oh, cool mascots, I like them, these are cute. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, they've been there the whole time. Well, I guess they've got to justify the whole flying all of the loved ones to Mexico for two days. Yeah, yeah, it's their extras fees. And for an extra thousand euros, they have to match the loved one to the candidate. Which they do flawlessly. I did like that Pascal tried to throw a spanner in the works by suggesting that her son may have dressed as a female rabbit. <laughs> Don't think I didn't spot that, Pascal. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise it's utterly flawless. Yeah, and so looking good. Looking good in this episode on the money front. And each candidate and their loved one do get to spend some quality time driving to the next assignment together. 
Yeah, and Lloyd wants so much quality time that he just leaves the handbrake on. <laughs> right, how do you do that? Oh, I've done it. Yeah, but how, how do you do it in a car that's constantly beeping at you and will tell you on the screen the handbrake is on? Yeah, there is that. I mean, in a higher car, it's easy to forget things like that. But yeah, it is kind of making a bit of a noise. So Lloyd's mother, uh, Eugenie, spots that the handbrake's on. Baha's girlfriend, Meet, uh, is happy to see him. Steve's wife, Vivian, who we've heard too much about already, was beautiful as a reindeer. <laughs> uh, Peter and Jasper's parents will be worried, which brings me flashbacks to Amazing Race Canada 2 in the Atwells. Joke's sister, fine, better be useful. And Pascal's son, Indy, is helpful as a sounding board, basically. And and he's immediately in the book. He's like, you've you've written nothing about Lloyd. What's going on? <laughs> he's great. He's brilliant. He should be in the next series. He's fabulous. Without knowing anything about the whole backstory, I suspect that he may have convinced her to do it. He's definitely a fan, isn't he? He's definitely a fan. And you can tell that he probably convinced her to do it on the proviso that she took him if uh, if she got to the uh, the family visit. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's great. Indy's like, what's going on? What have you written? I want to have a look. It's Did brilliant. Katrina really say nothing, even though she was in the same room as you? <laughs> no, literally, she said nothing, mate. We, we watched her for four episodes. She said nothing. <laughs> it's pretty bad when you consider that my suspect list for most of the game was Steve and Katrina. <laughs> it's been a bad couple of episodes for me. Yeah, we'll watch Lloyd go next week. If Lloyd goes next week, I won't really mind that much because it'll just be hilarious then. <laughs> it'll just be a case of me sitting here going, I have no idea who the mole is and I really yep. don't care anymore. Yep, she's going to be a lucky dip from the rest of it. So in the second challenge, everyone gets to visit a drive-in cinema with popcorn with their loved one. And they see clips from six films and must answer a question after each. The first one is worth €25, Euros, the second is worth 50 the third is worth 100 Fourth is worth 200, fifth is worth 400, and the last one is worth 800. After each correct answer, they can choose to leave and go back to the hotel and have a nice meal with Jill, who looks very lonely at the time. If they get the final question wrong, they have to spend the night there and they earn no money for the assignment. And they can earn a total of 9,450 euros for this assignment if everyone stays and doesn't cash out and gets every question correct. Well, that's that's pretty big. That's pretty big. Did they get that much? No. no. And just for all the Splatoon fans out there, Lloyd proves that he would have been on Team Sweet because he hates salty popcorn. <laughs> yeah, he's not a fan of the salty popcorn. So, after a clip from Bridget Jones' diary, uh, the first question is, who wrote the book Pride and Prejudice? And there's two quizzes, we really should know this. Unlike four of the six people in this game. Yeah, so I kind of expected that the questions would just get harder as they went along, but didn't seem to work that way. Evidently, the questions were written by the same people as Casio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just a random, hard, easy, 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 really hard. <laughs> a second week on the trot that I've uh, thrown shade at Casio there. <laughs> and Antoine's horrific shirts. Oh, they're bad. Oh, God, that, that one at the weekend was awful. I took a screen grab of it and everything. Yes. So it's only Peter and Steve who know that Jane Austen wrote Pride and Prejudice, and they earn 25 euros each and get the first chance to cash out. And they're off. Yeah, and Steve does indeed choose to just cash out. And everyone is disappointed at him, and Vivian waves. (laughs) And I love Peter. Peter's like, don't look at him, don't look at him. But she waved at me. Don't even acknowledge that they're there. They are dead to us. (laughs) But she waved at me. (laughs) 
I thought it was brilliant. Uh, and you know what? I don't think it's a bad decision. I agree. Yeah, I think you know, risk versus reward, isn't it? Because you know, you don't want to, you don't want to end up getting all the questions wrong and having to sleep in your car. I mean, God, as if that would happen. Yeah, I, I probably, although I would have felt bad, I probably would have done the same thing. I think I, I might have gone for two. I might, if I got the first two right, I might have gone. I think honestly, the decision is tainted by loved ones being there. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Because the decision is really, do you want to spend more time trying to earn money for the team, or do you want to spend more time with your loved one? Yeah. And the answer, unless you are Michelle Pierce Denovan, is you want to spend more time with your loved one. (laughs) (laughs) Two Michelle jokes. (laughs) But this is also the prime moling position. Because realistically, the mole isn't going to get it past as a person they love that they are that dopey not to know that Pride and Prejudice is a thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's probably best to just answer the 25 euro question and get the hell out of there. Yeah, yeah. Because this is another another game after the, the theme park where actually the mole can't really sabotage that much. No, because you can't influence what other people are doing. So the most you can do is, is not put much in the park, really. So if I were the mole, I don't think I'd put much effort into this one, to be honest. What's the point? Yeah, I don't think you ever you ever should try and get zero on this assignment, purely because you'd have to sleep in the car. Yeah. And also it would look really, really suspicious. Whereas cashing out early, not that suspicious when you can say, oh, but my wife wanted to. Yeah, and, and I think especially when your family visit is for your, from your partner, I think that's even more so. I think the siblings and, you know, if, if it's your parent, less of an issue. Uh, but I think husband and wife, make, it makes sense to cash out early, I guess. I'm not sure who I would pick for a family visit. Hmm. You would kind of, by default, have to pick Tara. Oh, would I? Mm, okay. <laughs> See, that would depend what, what you want. Do you want a family visit, or do you want someone to help you find them all? I'm not sure. I think in Pascal's case, she got both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think she probably got the best best person to visit her. But I think everyone else kind of went, eh, actually, I just want a bit of love and affection. I mean, it's it's not Survivor, is it? They're not, you know, they're not starving to death and away for weeks on end. It's like it's like just like going on a holiday to Mexico. It's only a couple of weeks, so I don't know. That's the thing. At the start of this episode, it's day twelve. I know. It's like, jeez. <laughs> At the risk of sounding like our heartless Australian friend, actually, it's not that long to be away from home, and maybe you're appreciating the break. Uh, yeah, and they're having a really good time. Exactly, they're doing wild things, and also they're kind of disconnected from normality, which is a fun thing to be on holiday, I guess. Yeah, they're they're, they're in the zone, they're having lots of fun, they're having some really nice social time, and, you know, playing some cool games. At the risk of sounding very much like our Antipodean friend, I wouldn't be missing my family much either after 12 days of that. No, I I can't say that I really would either. It's a weird situation, because this is... Actually, earlier than they normally do the family visit. They usually do it about episode six. Right, okay. So it's earlier by a couple of days anyway. And also, it kind of... I I don't think that I would really care that much, as heartless as it is to say. No, I think you're spot on. it's, It's basically a fun holiday with some games thrown in. And especially if you're the mole, it's so much fun for you. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't really want the distraction of, oh, I've got another potentially six people I don't want to tell I'm the mole. Yeah, absolutely. You got even more people scrutinising what you're doing. And, and would you, if you were the mole, would you tell your family person 
I don't think they do. I don't think they do. It seems that way. It's a question that I would love answering, actually, about how much do the family members really know? Because Mm. traditionally, there's usually someone sat at the reunion going, Oh, you didn't tell me! Mm. I mean, we had it in Dutch Mall this year. Mm -hmm. Jan's friend did not know at all. (laughs) She was annoyed at him. (laughs) So, you know, again, you've got two days of even more pressure then if you're the mole, haven't you? Yeah, I think it's a worst-case scenario for the mole. Mm. Even if you're not a sociopath like Michelle. (laughs) And the second question is another softball, to be fair. Which boxer made a cameo in The Hangover? Everyone gets it right with Mike Tyson and earns 50 euros each. At which point, Baha decides to cash out. Mainly because I think his girlfriend probably would have hit him had he not. Absolutely. No, and again, you get it. That's fine. It makes sense that the first two people to cash out were the two people who actually had romantic partners yeah. over there. Yeah, I think that's fine. And thankfully, Gilles is no longer drinking alone because he looks so lonely then. <laughs> yeah, he's got all the wine and all the tapas. He's fine. Gilles had a great tweet actually before the episode. He did a screenshot of that moment and compared it to one in the Argentina season where they were playing the chain gang game. And he was just, he was so lonely because he had to wait hours for anyone to turn up. And he was just sat there drinking wine alone and eating. Great. <laughs> the Anthony Williams story. Yeah, that's not a problem. And there's a classic quote from Trainspotting, which I was slightly tempted to make your intro again, which is, who needs reasons when you've got heroin? Uh, it's brilliant. Such a great movie. I watched it again recently because I decided to watch Trainspotting and T2 back to back and see how it played out. This is brilliant. I've, I had totally forgotten what a fantastic film it is, and it was the first time I'd watched T2. Superb. Would it shock you to know I've never seen it? Oh, you need to see it, mate. Really. And watch them both back to back, because they, they play work perfectly together. You know the even better thing? I've not seen any of the films in this one. <laughs> Seriously? Wow. I've not seen um, Interstellar, and I've only partially seen As Good As It Gets, but the others I've seen. Yeah, I've, I've never seen Bridget Jones' Diary, or The Hangover, or Scream, or Train Spotting, or Interstellar, or As Good As It Gets. It's just kind of awkward. You need to stay in more. <laughs> Listen, all right, Dad, I'm going out tomorrow, and I'm going to see an Avengers, <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, okay. First time in a long while I'll have actually been to the cinema. I don't enjoy the cinema normally because it's far too expensive. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. You've not seen Black Panther, then? No. Oh, that's good. That is really good. I'm, I am not an, in any way a Marvel fanboy, but Black Panther's great. I am really looking forward to Avengers, actually. Yeah, it does look good. It looks so good. I suspect I'm going to be going to the cinema a lot this year because we've got uh, Avengers tomorrow, and then we've got Deadpool next month, then Jurassic World the month after, and we've got Venom at the end of the year as well, which another trailer came out to, for today, and that looks awesome. Mm-hmm. So, the third question about train spotting is which band sang the song Born Slippy, which appears in train spotting? And Again. I'm sure you knew it. Oh, so easy. Easy quiz question for you, that one, but only Lloyd and Yoka get it correct. And no one cashes out. Hmm. So they move straight on to the fourth question, which is a really easy question, probably the easiest question, I think, this one. Yeah, I mean, you don't even need to know the movie for this one, do you? No. It's The Scream Mask is based on a painting by which painter? And the answer is, of course, Edvard Munch. And everyone gets it correct. At which point, three of the four people cash out. So Lloyd cashes out with 350, Joker cashes out with 350, and Pascal cashes out with 250. 
they must have all been really, really relieved to not be the only ones going at that stage. I, I think that was quite fortunate for them. And that just leaves Peter and Jasper. And boy, do they have a lot of fun now. <laughs> so the fifth question is actually not that hard. It's to spell Matthew McConaughey's surname. I think that is quite hard. I think that's quite hard when English is your first language. It's harder when you consider they put the wrong answer on the screen. I thought that when I saw it. I googled it at the time, because I'd written it down in my notes, I googled it when I was watching it last night, just to make sure I wasn't wrong. And they did put the wrong answer on it. It's C-O-N-N-A-U-G-H-E-Y. Yeah. They missed out one of the ends. Yes, yeah, they went for a single end, didn't they? Thankfully, Jasper and Peter are really bad at spelling. Yeah. You know, if you ask me to spell the name of a Belgian soccer player or something, I'd have no chance, even if I knew who it was. So I, I... I don't have any issue with them misspelling that. And they also managed to get the final question, which is which actress won the Best Actress Oscar for the film As Good As It Gets Wrong. So they earn a night in the car and lose the €275 that they would have earned. Which is like the worst of all, isn't it? We've earned nothing and we've got to stay in the car all night. Yep, leaving €1,025 out of a possible 9450 And surprisingly, they actually wake up in quite good spirits. Yeah, even though they've got to pay 60 pesos for the privilege. Surely production would have cleared that beforehand. Come on. I don't think that was real. I think that was just a bit of fun. I think it might have been as well, because there's not a chance in hell that they would have let them sleep anywhere that A, there wasn't security, and B, that actually wasn't allowed parking. I think someone in the morning's gone, do you know what would be really funny? Let's get someone to slap a fine on the the car, that would be great. I think so too. So, in the final game, Gilles has a parting gift for each loved one. No, really. A thousand euros to spend in a very special shopping mall that is behind him. And it's filled with sponsored prizes and a potential donation to charity. This is a really mean challenge, by the way. After their loved one takes the trolley away, the candidate is given a choice. They can either take the contents of their trolley... Or take three Passfragen for the next quiz. And this explains to me what they did with all of Yoka's blank discs. <laughs> yes. She's she's still there. She's she's just carrying on. She's just heating know, up the Bunsen burner. Yeah, yeah. Every night. Right. Come on, make some more. <laughs> so in the second half of the challenge, everyone gets a paintball gun and one paintball each. And after ten minutes of negotiation, they must shoot one person who they do not want to win whatever they have claimed. Anyone who is shot loses what they claimed. If everyone who chose Passfragen, and only everyone who chose Passfragen is shot, they earn €3,000 for the pots. And everyone else gets their prizes. Yeah. And like you said, this, this is so well thought out. What I love about it is I know that this started out with someone saying... We have to have a Mexican standoff. And then working back to how you make that into a brilliant game. And that's what I love about this show. I think that is the the crux of Belgian Mobile is, here's the country we're going to. What national stereotypes can we play upon? And how can we factor them into games? Yeah. And it's just, I love the thinking of that. You just work backwards from, right, Mexican standoff. Okay, right. What's the situation? How do you write the story? How do you get to that bit? And the the number of twists in this are, are just beautiful. Even down to uh, the fact that the charity donation is the last thing they see. 
So they've already decided they're going to buy something lovely for their loved one. And then they play the, oh, you could give it to the orphans. It's just beautiful. It's the Hammer Oats Lamillion principle of how to structure a season, basically. Here's the national stereotypes. Let's have fun. Yeah, yeah, just brilliant. And I'm going to ask the thousand euro question here. What would you have picked? <sighs> yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, I don't think I'd have gone for the orphanage. I know that sounds really bad. As much of a dick move as it is, I don't think I would have either. No, and and I would have justified it exactly the same as the people who took the pass fragment did. I would have said, when I win, I'll give you double that. You can have 2,000 out, out of whatever I win. And uh, and I would have done it that way. Here's the thing. If you're genre savvy, you know that there is not a chance in hell everyone's keeping the prizes. Mm-hmm. I would not want to have it on my conscience to be the dick that cost anyone a thousand euros for charity. Yeah. So if I have the option to not pick it and potentially just donate part of my winnings later, and in fact Steve said he would donate all of his winnings, but if I have the option to just say I'll donate it if and when I win, it's a better way to get a clear conscience. It is, and actually if every, if everyone's thinking the same thing, if then they should all be thinking, right, nobody choose the charity because then nobody has to take the money from the charity, I suppose. Yeah. And also, it means you have a clearer conscience in the fact that if you do then shoot someone who donated to the charity, you didn't know for certain. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you say, look, here's my position, I didn't pick the Passfragen, I picked the charity, do not shoot me, and then someone does it, you're going to feel worse about people not believing you. Yeah, yeah. What would the mole have done? Oh, That's my next question. Because this is the only challenge you could really sabotage. Would the mole have picked charity? I don't think they would. No, probably not. Probably not. Having said that, when you say, you know, this is probably the best one to sabotage, the chances of actually winning this without any mauling is fairly slim. The thing is, I'm assuming, and DaCosta, please correct us if we're wrong on this, I'm assuming the mole knew who had the Passfragen. Yeah, I would have thought so. So they would know, basically, who to not direct the shot towards. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, if the mole picks Passfragen, it's useless to them. But the mole is getting, I'm assuming, a fixed fee for being the mole, because that's usually how it works. Unless it's the season where the mole has a chance to win the stuff that was kept out of the pot by not being caught, because that does occasionally happen. France is the most recent one to do that. I'm assuming the mole has the fixed fee, so they will want to potentially treat their loved one purely because, actually they're not going to get much else out of it. Mm. No, that makes sense. And it makes you look like more of a hero if you didn't pick the Passfragen. Because I think that people will think, hmm, the mole's probably going to pick Passfragen. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's not a lot of benefit in the mole picking Passfragen, except taking them away from other people, and that's not the case here, is it? So It also depends if you're a mole who is being suspected. Yeah, and, and that's the other dimension, isn't it? You know... It's quite open. It, it, the mole will know that they're going to reveal who did what on this game. Well, I don't know whether the other con- the other candidates knew that or not. They maybe didn't know that it would get revealed what choices they made, but certainly the mole does know. So there is an opportunity to go, right, okay, what makes me look least like the mole here? And also, assuming that Lloyd is the mole, which, according to us two idiots, he is. <laughs> As of right now, he is, you know. Come, come back in a week. <laughs> 
my bolshy attitude from Saturday's recording is, has diminished slightly. <laughs> yeah, I'm being very non-judgmental about this, have you noticed? You are, I'm, I'm proud of you. Yeah, I'm, I'm letting um, it go. Assuming that Lloyd knows how heavily he's being suspected if he is the mole, picking past Rogan's the wrong move, because everyone's going to shoot you. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a tactical error if Lloyd is the mole. Okay, yeah, could be. Especially when, you know, your mum blatantly suspects you as it is. Maybe <laughs> pay her off with a charity donation in her name. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's more of a dick move to originally pick charity and then go, actually, no, I won't pass her own. Yeah. Who knows? I think you can overthink these things, but... Um... This is why this is such a clever final game. It is. It is brilliant. Uh, but, as, but as I say, I think you, the chances of them winning this game are so slim, it's ridiculous. The The only way you're going to get it is for someone to, to decide unusually that money is more important than Passfrog, and that's never going to happen. So nobody is going to tell the truth. So now assuming you put a thousand euros in for charity in your shopping cart, would you have picked the Passfrog? Uh Yes. See, I think if you're up to the fifth test, there comes a point where you have to just trust your gut and go with your mole and live or die by that. No, I think you're still one execution away from that. I was on record in the second episode with the Oka's Passfrog of saying, actually, I'm not sure I would have gone for the Passfrog as much. Purely because if you don't know who the mole is, it's only going to give you a stay of execution of a week. Yeah, yeah, I I get that, yeah. I think especially when you're three tests away from the final 40-question test to determine who wins thousands and thousands of euros, you need to trust your gut eventually and just go for it. Yeah, so by this stage you need to be locked on, you reckon? I think if you need to survive by three pass frogging, you're probably not long for the process at this point. You should know who the mole is by now. That is true. However, that discludes the fact that you may pick up on a whole load of stuff next week. True. That's the argument that Logan made, but I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily prioritise the pass dragon just because at some point you've just got to trust yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think there is there is something in the anyone but me logic, and you know that has won other shows before. So, I don't know. Just stay in the game. So, Yoko reveals that actually she didn't pick Charity. She's the only one not to have picked Charity in her um, her car. But <laughs> I think she probably knew by that point that there was not a chance no one was shooting her. Nah, she was getting shot, definitely. Even if we didn't know anything about the choices that people had made in the shopping cart, if I had to pick two people who I thought would take Passfragen at this point, I would have picked Yoko and Lloyd. Oh, definitely. I mean, Yoko's proved herself to be ultra-competitive, so anything to give her an edge. I mean, she took took the exemption, no no qualms whatsoever. So, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely shot Yoko. But the tactics from everyone else were shocking on this. Because if you've seen anything of Yoko and Lloyd, you know they're probably the only two with Passfragen. Mm-hmm. Especially when the other option is charity. Peter's basically taken a vow of donating as much money as possible to charity it would compromise his morals, regardless of whether he is the mole or not, to not pick charity. Yeah, yeah, you'd, you'd be very surprised. It would look incredibly suspicious if, if he'd attained Passfragen. Yeah, 100%. He would have got everyone's mole suspicions if he'd taken Passfragen. Yeah, which which actually could have made it a really good move. I was going to say that. 
<laughs> Basically, if you're Peter and you know you're not the mole, not a bad move. No. Pascal, despite my back of my mind suspicions for her, I think Pascal, you probably would predict to take the charity money anyway. Yeah. Joker and Lloyd, obviously, you know, are not going to take anything other than Pasfragan if they're available. Mm-hmm. Then you have Steve, who basically has already apparently said to people that if he wins, all of the prize money is going to charity. Regardless, he doesn't need the money. He's a doctor. Mm-hmm. And then you have Baha, who potentially would take Pasfragan, but he didn't take them last time. Yeah. So I think it's reasonably logical that it's just going to be them two. Yeah, no, I, I would go along with that. Um what surprised me the most of all of it is that Peter shot Baha. That just seems like an odd decision because, as we just said, he's at best third on the list of most likely to have taken Pasfragan. Yeah. If you know those things about everyone, which after two weeks together, you probably should, you then just get everyone else together and say, actually, you need to just shoot these guys. Mm. All four of us need to shoot these guys. Because if nothing else, it forces the hand of the mole. Mm-hmm. If the mole is one of the two with Pastoragon, which we think he is, it forces their hand. Because they can either go along with the group thing, mm-hmm. or they can do the rebellious act and shoot someone who they know doesn't have Pastoragon to lose the 3,000 euros, but that also makes them really suspicious. Yep. You need to outsmart the mole in a game like this. And they did not outsmart the mole. No, I, I don't think they... I don't think they did any kind of clever thinking at all. I think they just went with their initial view and, and that was it. They they didn't seem to spend enough time discussing it for me. So Peter's the only one unshot. Pascal and Yoka and Stephen Lloyd shot each other. And Baha also shot Lloyd and Peter shot Baha. And now the most brutal bit of the entire challenge. Gilles just opens the envelopes and goes, Steve, you chose charity. Nope. Lloyd, you chose Passaragon over the charity. So you're a double dick. Nope. <laughs> Pascal, you chose charity. Nope. Yoka, you chose Pasfragan over a track day and a tent. Nope. Baha, you chose charity. Nope. And Peter, you're the only one to actually pick money for the charity. Well done, you. Yeah. And I, I don't know how aware of this you are, but in last year's season in South Africa, they did a task themed around the song Shoshaloza. And the cast of last year's season did a charity version of Shoshaloza called Shoshaloza for Life. I think they're probably going to do something for this orphanage, and frankly, after this episode, they better do something for this orphanage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for your help at the theme park, guys. And, you know, we nearly gave you loads of money, but... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding about the, the kids being from the orphanage at the theme park, by the way. The, Gilles did say that they've only got an hour without their parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. They weren't. They weren't the authors. But it's funny to think they were. Yeah, just for the avoidance of any doubt, those children were not orphans that we know of. That we know of. Not at the time of filming, anyway. I would have loved a disclaimer saying, these children were not orphans yet. <laughs> no, no orphans were harmed in the making of this episode. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I would hope they will do something, at least make up the money that they could have had. You know, they, they did miss out on 3,000 euros, but hey. And that leaves the pot at the end of the episode at €16,725 of a possible 67950 Yeah, but it's still starting to look like a decent amount now, isn't it? It is, but they've ended the previous two seasons with about twenty-five to thirty k. Mm. It's been nothing to sniff at. It's still right. 
they're hovering just below a quarter of the potential pot. So I would say the mold is doing very well right now. Oh, the mold's doing great, um, but it's still a decent pot. So, I'll, and and I think we said this last week. Who cares what the pot is? You just want to get to the end and win. Yeah, so you've had a great time, and if you get a bit of cash, then marvellous. If if not, well, so what? So the Levons then leave just before the test. Sad face. Then we get Vivian's hand waving out the window. It did look a bit like it was stuck. <laughs> it was like, Damn it! Get my hand back. <laughs> And now it is time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and the actions of the mole. Whoever knows least is out of the game, apart from the mole, who can never go home. And I love doing the English translation of Arts uh, Spiel, by the way. Rick could better not change that. I'll be devastated if next season Rick changes that. Well, just in case he does, you need to do it in Dutch one week. Not doing that. Well. That challenge is not happening. So, Baha suspects Peter. Yoka also suspects Peter. Peter suspects Lloyd. Lloyd suspects Yoka and Pascal and Steve's suspicions are not revealed. Mm. And then Lloyd and Yoka both get green screens before Steve gets the dreaded red screen. And at this point, I'm going, oh no, Ant is going to kill me. And I'm going, yes, Lloyd's through. Yes, Yoka's through. Yes! Steve's out! Come on! <laughs> I got a message off friend of the podcast, Mark Doyle, last night just saying, you were wrong! <laughs> I'm like, I was wrong? Really? I did not know that. Uh, but that's the beauty of the show. I, I love it when my prime suspect goes home. I think it's brilliant. It makes it more fun. This is just history repeating itself a Belgian role for me again. <laughs> just roll with it, mate. It doesn't matter. Nobody's Nobody cares, it's just a bit of fun. Yeah, but you know from the code, I'm stupidly competitive. Well, you know, you have to pick your battles. As you said, it's not about the money, it's about winning. Yeah, true. Well, yeah, well, it's all about entertainment. Anyway, we skipped past a bit that um, was my clue, and it was, I think it, it because it was fairly insignificant, but may, may mean something, may not. It was part of um, when they were doing the confessionals with the family members. I don't know if you saw it, but while Lloyd was talking, or rather while his mum was talking, somebody walked past in the background. And it just seemed to me that you would just retake it if that was accidental. I have a counterpoint to that. Go on. It happened in one of Peter and Jasper's as well. Oh, did it? I was looking really closely. Had that already happened at that stage? In the very first Peter and Jasper one, you could see someone in the background. This was early in the episode. This was after the... Um, this was as they were having breakfast, basically. Oh, okay. It just seemed odd. Um, and my my kind of spider sense was tingling, and I was I was hoping that someone who's more familiar with the show might look really closely and would say, oh, that's a previous mole. And then that would be a massive clue. That would be a really tricky clue. It would be brilliant, wouldn't it? It would. And... Um... I'd like to say there's not pedigree for this, but there really is. Not with it being a hidden clue, but in the Vidim Japan season, which is one of the best seasons of Vidim, by the way. Not sure if I've mentioned it a few thousand times, but it's one of the best seasons of Vidim. I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the very first episode at Shippol Airport, one of, well, the most popular mole ever, uh, hands one of the candidates an envelope. Yes, that's right. So if there is anyone who is expert in this who fancies freeze framing it and going through and saying yes and you're right that actually is such and such from season whatever 
then that would be really good. Alternatively, could just be sheer chance. But it just seemed like, why would you not reshoot that when someone clearly walks walks across your shot? But if it was gonna be anyone, it would have been one of the original seasons moles, I think, because both of the current seasons, or both of the revival seasons moles, have appeared on Cafe de Mole. Mm-hmm. One of them hosts it, one of them appeared on at least the preview episode, if not a regular episode as well. Oh, uh, okay. So, I don't think it'd be one of them two, mainly because it would 100% get picked up. Right. It could be nothing. And, for the fourth time in five eliminations, Gilles does ask for the mole book. Yes, he does. Although he won't be able to read it, because, you know, Doctor and all that. I love that that's an international thing. Such a great line. What I, I always... I don't know why, I just assumed it was only only British doctors or only English-speaking doctors that had bad handwriting, but apparently it's a universal thing that all doctors around the world have bad handwriting. I like the fact that Steve's mole book is the white one as well. <laughs> think it's got a red cross on the front cover. I'm sure he drew one on in Sharpie. I would if I were him. And following up from something from last week again, Chani's mole book did not appear to be taken. Really? Gilles did not have it in his hands when he said goodbye to Chani. Whether it was taken off camera and that's why they didn't mention it because i think they probably would have mentioned it if it had been taken on camera i don't know but he definitely didn't have Chani's mole but when she drove away weird then i'm gonna guess that that's going to be the challenge is at some point it's going to be whose whose mole book is missing yeah potentially but also will anyone ever remember Chani? <laughs> maybe that's the challenge here's a mole book who did it belong to uh-huh. It's brutal to say it, but I don't think anyone will remember Chani. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also worth saying that both of the previous two revival seasons have featured challenges in the final four that involved the mole books. One of them involved uh, trying to set the mole books on fire. Nice. So we finish with the final interviews with the loved ones who basically say that their loved one could be the mole. Yeah, they pretty much all say that, don't they? So it gives us nothing. Apart from Steve's wife, who basically says, I know he's not the mole. Yeah, so do we. (laughs) So, next week, there's a Wheel of Fortune, more horses, fears, goats, boats, and more guns. Snakes and goats next week. We need to throw in a few rats and we can have a full-on Survivor Season 1. I'm intrigued to see what the challenges are, because it's very hard to follow up a family visit episode, I would say. Yeah, but if you're going to, then chasing around after goats is the way to go. It's the one episode where it's actually quite difficult for them to follow it up. It's always a bit of a quieter episode when it's post-family visit. Yeah, because your candidate's going to be a little bit introspective, aren't they, at that stage? They're going to be feeling a bit out on a limb. And also, there's only five of them left. Mm. Which is actually is getting towards the number where you need to hope and pray that there's interesting people left, because they have to carry the season now. Yeah, which I think we're going to be all right with. I think it's a major loss to lose Steve. Uh, uh, do you know what? Of the of the six, he was the one I was okay with going. I mean, that's you know partly because he was your number one candidate, but um, from a personality point of view, I, I I can live without Steve. I think the thing with Steve though is he was by far the oldest person, and unintentional hilarity followed him. Yeah, there was some funny stuff like he clearly has never listened to any music from the last two centuries. Yeah, he's a complete dope, 
And I say that with the greatest love, apart from the fact you've shanked me with my suspect list. But I say it with the greatest love, he's a complete and utter doofus. And I kind of like those characters. I like the bumbling idiots, especially if they they are old bumbling idiots as well, because it's just a great archetype. It is, and it's fairly easy to cast. If you take someone who is highly skilled in a narrow field like a doctor, they're almost certainly going to be like that because you have to focus in so much on what you're doing that you're not going to know what's in the music charts. You're not going to know about movies because that's what you do and you have to live and breathe it. So, yeah, um, I'd have been more disappointed if any of the other five had gone this week from a from a character standpoint. I think the thing is, you would never see a character like Steve on any other show. No, that that is very true, actually. This show does cast the most diverse personalities that you see in, in shows, I think. It's something I mentioned in the premiere, but I'm pretty sure this is the oldest average age of any cast in any show ever. Mm. The average age was very nearly 40. I think it was 37.7. Mm-hmm. And obviously a massive part of that is Steve and Katrine, the two oldest people who are now both gone. But you would never see a 60-year-old Doctor be cast on any other show anymore. No, and that is one of the beauties of this of this show, is they, they do definitely cast really good um, ranges of people and backgrounds and different, you know, dif- different professions and all sorts. I, I really, really like that. And I know we campaign every week for bring back an English for English language version of the show, but I would worry that it would just get cast like all the other reality shows and it would just be full of 20-something idiots. Having said that, the the two UK series were very well cast, actually, in terms of diversity and everything. They were, but that was, what, 17 years ago? Before the days of stunt casting and before Mactors started getting on shows. You know, that that was really early reality game show wasn't it so i don't know what it would be like now i think there's a certain beauty in a really well cast season of them all and i think Mm. this is a really well cast season of them all not to slight either of the other two belted ones that we've watched which were both fantastic i said this at the start they are on a ridiculous run right now they're over halfway through a third season in a row where there's no weaknesses that i can pick at it's ridiculous. No. No. And it's so good to be covering this show instead of Amazing Race Canada. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And um, I think it goes to show that you don't need to keep reinventing formats. You don't need to throw gimmicks in. You don't need to have stupid themes. If you have a good, solid format and you stick with it and you cast it well, and, you know, again, like we said, you think through the challenges properly and you make them work, you're, you've got a great show on your hands. I think everything just works with Belgian Mall. I think you can tell there is a lot of care and attention to every minute detail. Mm-hmm. Beginning with the challenges and with the cast and getting away with stuff that they definitely wouldn't get away with in other countries. Not mentioning any tasks. The coffin one. <laughs> but also, it stretches to the locations are fantastic. Yeah. Even though all three seasons in the revival have gone to places that other Mall seasons have... It doesn't feel tired, is the honest answer. It, no. They have a no. lot of faith in the show to carry itself, and it works a lot. And a lot of that also is that they have a fantastic host in Gilles de Costa. Yeah, yeah. As you said, it, so far, it's flawless. Um, we could eulogise about it every week, but um, it will get tiresome. You know, we're only on episode five. I don't know where it's going to go from here. I suspect it's going to get better and better. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it is 
he just is brilliant. I know it's slightly pandery given that, you know, we've had a message off him this week, but I've said it before and I'll say it again, Gilles is probably my favourite mole host because he combines so much of the good stuff from other mole hosts. Yeah, I, I know where you're coming from now. I mean, this is my first season watching it and, uh, you know, I, I I very quickly became a big fan of art. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. He, he's He's got that nice balance of kind of serious when he needs to be, but he'll sit and have a glass of wine and, and have tapas with him at the end of the day in the way that some of the other hosts have done in, in previous days. So yeah, yeah, he's, he's good. I think the thing is he knows how ridiculous this show is at times. Mm-hmm. But he plays it completely straight, like that coffin task. He just spoke to them as if they were right in front of him. But they were actually 10 feet underground. <laughs> That's just the beauty of this show for me, it really is. And I'm, I know we do this every week where we say that it is one of the greatest shows on television. And I'm going to say it again, it's one of the greatest shows on television. And if anyone wants to, you know, give us tickets to the finale or Café de Mall, we're not going to turn them down. <laughs> just doing the usual weekly things. Now, I would ask who's on your suspect list. I already know the answer because it's the same as mine. <laughs> I've gone 100% Lloyd this week because I've got to now my mole was gone. Yeah, I'm probably 90% Lloyd, maybe 10% Pascal. Uh, and I don't really have anything to back that up. Yeah, Pascal and Peter are both on my radar. I've not put any points on them this week. And I'm, I suppose I can change it if I really want to, but I don't want to. Um, but yeah, I could see either of them being the mole. I just sort of can't see the clues pointing to it no um but if anything there's too many for lloyd that would be that's my only hesitation as i said before is it it, you know am, am i spotting stuff because i think he's my suspect or am i being drawn to him because they want to make him look like a suspect bear in mind the clue that i spotted this week the backlog one i spotted on my first watch i spotted it before i knew steve went and before i started suspecting lloyd okay yeah, so that's significant. Yeah, I saw that, saw what the translation of the word was and went, hmm, is it Lloyd? And who do you think's going next week? Um, I think I said this last week, but I think I still don't see Baha making it yeah, much further. Yeah, I think Baha. If Baha goes, I get points regardless of who the mole is now. So okay. I kind of need it to be Baha going <laughs> for my own sanity. <laughs> and that then means that we have two weeks left until we will know the final three. Mm. And who will be taking the final test? Yeah, I'd I'd like to see Lloyd, Joker and Peter. I don't know who it will be with Lloyd and Joker, but it's going to be a fight between Pascal and Peter, I think. Yeah. I just don't know who yet. Yeah, I mean, from an entertainment point of view, that's that's the three I'd most like to see in a final. Um, it obviously means Pascal can't be the mole if that's the case, um, but I'll take that. So, thank you for joining us for another Belgian Mole podcast. You can join us next week for more mole hunting. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone for me, and Bullsboy for Anthony. See you next week. Bye.